All right. Welcome back once again, everybody. It's the Dr. Tree Fruit and Don podcast. We are doing our post-harvest rot series. Uh, we're here with Dr. Carrie Peter. Say hi, Carrie. Hello. And Dr. Wayne Jerk joins us once again. Say hi, Wayne. Hello. So Wayne, you are the star of the show this week. Thanks for joining us with Johanny and having the folks in your lab participate in this. You know, folks will hear that as episodes are released. But Wayne, why don't you start by kind of giving us an overview of what your lab's about, what work you guys are doing, you know, how long you've been with USDA, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. I uh, appreciate the invitation and uh, the opportunity to, to talk about the program. Yeah. I, so I'm originally from Florida, a native. I uh, came up here on a postdoc uh, working for Bill Conway, 2008. I've been at ARS for 15 years now. And Carrie was my first postdoc uh, way back. And so, so basically, the, the focus of the program has always been on controlling post-harvest rots of home fruit, primarily apple, but some pear, and a little bit of stone fruit, peach, and some small fruit work in the beginning, strawberry and uh, blackberry, raspberry. So the program is broad. We do a lot of work on basic science, fundamental science, but also applied the things that can be used relatively soon to deliver to growers. Carrie and I work quite closely together on, on uh, projects of post-harvest interest. So the program is broad. It mainly focuses on fungi, post-harvest diseases of apples, stored fruit, mainly uh, blue mold, gray mold, some colitotricum. Those are the diseases we focus on. So your lab, you described it as a post-harvest lab, mostly on, on tree fruit, right? You said mostly palm fruit, but also doing some of the stone fruits as well. How many folks are in the lab with you? It's yourself and how many others? Correct. So right now it's it's me, uh, my support scientist, Ms. Renetta Gaskins, and I have been working together for uh, the entire time I've been here, 15 years. Then we have uh, two postdoctoral scholars. Dr. Dianitas, uh, Luciano Rosaro from uh, Wisconsin, just, just graduated from the University of Wisconsin. And I have Dr. Holly Bartholomew, who came from Virginia Tech. She's been with me closing in on three years now. So I think that that's it at this point. Four people, including myself. That's interesting. I think when most folks think of probably like a USDA lab, you know, a big government lab, they think like huge. They're probably thinking you're in charge of 50, 100 people plus people. But the four of you doing that much work is is really impressive, actually. Thank you. It's a small but mighty functional unit. And uh, what I found is I'm not against having many people. I, I like to mentor. I've had high school students. I've had postdocs. I've mentored lots of people. But what I find is, is you don't need a whole lot of intellectual mass to be able to get a lot done. And so if you're efficient, you can really make some impact. I just preferred it that way. And uh, in the past, I think I've had maybe as many as six people in the lab at one time. But I hover around two to three. And I've had people from all over the, the world. I mean, China, Puerto Rico, of course, a lot of people stateside. So I enjoy that. It adds a cultural diversity aspect to the lab. And also from an intellectual perspective, it's good to have different viewpoints. People coming from different backgrounds, for example, Carrie came from a virology background and she came to my lab working in the fungal world. She had a different perspective, which was good. And, you know, it's, it's nice because it makes you better and it, it strengthens the mission. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Like I said, I think most folks, when they think of like a government lab, a USDA lab, they're probably thinking a ton of folks, but anywhere between two to six, is a, that's a pretty tight crew. Give folks a little bit of information, a little bit of background on how you go about doing your day-to-day -day work, you know, how you study what you study, what kind of a, a day in the life of USDA pathologist looks like. Sure. Well, the fun part about that is there, there's really no single day that's the same. So it could be something as simple as just hosting people from industry in my lab or attending a lot of the ARS mandated meetings or having these Zoom meetings with Carrie and Johanny to, under, you know, to understand what's going on with our project. From a research perspective, I still do work in the lab. I like to work in the lab, but I found myself spending an inordinate amount of time on the administrative affairs, and, and that's okay. I think that's where I'm at in my career path right now. But for example, somebody brought me some symptomatic fruit from a commercial grower and also from a research orchard. And so they wanted to know what they had. So I had to get in there and isolate and diagnose and figure out what this was. So that was something that got dropped off to me one day. And that was kind of fun. So I got back into that aspect. But a lot of it's time in my head and, and in discussions. So we use a lot of the same technologies that are used in cancer and human disease biology, try to understand how fungi, particularly blue mold, gray mold, how they cause disease and what tools they're using, and also how these toxins they're producing influence this interaction. And what we want to do, our long-term goal, is to be able to uncover the Achilles heels, if you will, of the pathogens. The pathogens, the fungi themselves, are very smart. They're very sophisticated, and they use a lot of different things to incite decay. And if we can understand some of these processes at a fundamental level, the goal would be to develop an array of, say, cultural, chemical, and biological means to interfere with those processes to ensure food safety, quality, and, and to reduce food loss and waste. That, I would say, is our, our sort of our main goal and from a, a global perspective. And from a micro perspective, the lab work is, again, spans the gamut from fundamental to applied we do work with fungicide resistance, virulence mechanisms, toxin biology. I think those are the three main fronts at this point. When you talk about some of that practical research, how much of that are you guys developing in-house? If you're looking at fungicide resistance for blue mold, you guys aren't coming up with those chemistries, are you? You, you are just utilizing things that are already available? Correct. With the fungicide resistance project, we're not developing new chemistries. The hope is we can identify processes and pathways so that new targets can be identified that gives the chemical companies or researchers like myself an inroad to developing a new chemistry, maybe. That's one option. But no, we ourselves are not developing new chemistries. We're trying to provide the information in which this can be achieved. So for more of the practical work, we focus really uh, mainly now on the BIN project with Carrie and Carrot Cox at Cornell University. I can tell you a little bit about that project if, if you think that'd be interesting for your user base. I know we'll have an episode with Daenerys on talking about her work with the BIN stuff. But if, if you want to give a brief overview, that's cool for a little teaser. Yeah, I, I have a habit of sometimes stealing people's thunder. I, I don't want to do that to her, but... In a nutshell, we compared plastic versus wooden bins and their ability to harbor fungal spores and 
also we looked at a couple of benchmarks for sanitizing or killing the spores. And the, the short story of what we've done is that the plastic bins hold less spores than the, the plastic bins hold less spores than the wooden bins. And that the steam or hot water treatments coupled with uh, chemical treatments can really help knock down the levels of, of blue mold on the bin surfaces. And, and that's where I'll leave it at that. And then I'll let Dianitas take it from there. But it's exciting. It's good. We have a long way to go, but uh, I think we have some good information to build upon. So one thing, you know, you have uh, alluded to, you know, collaborations. And I think for those, um, for folks who, who um, you know, either are new to the podcast or aren't familiar as far as um, how we kind of divide and conquer with regards to research projects or research questions. So, you know, um, I cut my teeth on tree fruit working in Wayne's lab. And again, it's like I, I it, it opened up this whole new world and I, I never looked back. And but what's exciting is that in, in my position at Penn State, I have a very applied focus and by working with Wayne, we're at we're able to expand that focus to look at more basic questions and more fundamental questions, which is really great. So we can kind of be able to sort of get the best of both worlds based on our our specialties. And you know, it, to the point where Wayne is on my student Johanny Castro's um, PhD committee, and so which is which is really exciting to be able to have that expertise. Um, you know, uh, a part of the program, you know, albeit tangentially, but it's critical nonetheless. And, and I think that's what's exciting, especially um, from the academic side at Penn State, being able to connect with the, the USDA and, and the federal government to be able to, to really forward the mission uh, as far as what we're trying to do. And that's to minimize, as, as Wayne alluded to, minimize food waste and, and reduce fruit rots and stuff. So I think that's, I just wanted to give a shout out to that because because uh, I've really appreciated the collaboration and being able to, to continue. And I will say um, Johan, between Johanny's interests in post-harvest diseases and, and being able to maintain the collaboration with Wayne post my time at the USDA has been great because this has been a whole huge niche for the Mid-Atlantic that has not been, um, has been kind of neglected um, over the years. And so it's good to be able to sort of join forces to to basically um, to get a lot of research done in a short period of time. That's really cool. One thing that I, I just want to circle back to for folks that maybe don't have like a, a scientific background, Wayne, you and Carrie have said have said basic research and fundamental research. Uh, could you just give a brief explanation of what that means? So, Carrie, do you want me to answer that, or do you want do you want to take a stab at it, or? I'll, okay, well, I'll take a stab at it, and then sure. you you pick up where I left off. So, sure. um, let's see if I can explain it. So, well, first, I, I mentioned I do applied research, which a lot of that deals with going out into the field, like testing a research question, whether that's a product or finding a spore source or you know, testing some sort of mitigation measure uh, that ultimately will lead to uh, a tool that will be put into the hands of growers immediately. I guess that's the way I've always seen as applied research. It's it's the research I do is, is applicable on the bigger scale. Basic research or fundamental research is, I guess, the way I've always viewed it is it's really getting into the nitty gritty of stuff. It's, it's, it's getting to the foundation of, of trying to understand 
um, sort of the, the core of the question. So like, for instance, I'll just use fungicide resistance as an example. Okay, if we know something is fungicide resistance, yeah, that's all well and good, but why? How is the fungus able to withstand um, the ability of being in the presence of a fungicide? And to investigate that, you would want to look at, well, does it pump out the fungicide? Does it, does it have genes that are changed in its sequence that allows it to be um, in the presence of fungicide? Um, you know, is there another mechanism that it's able to be able to um, somehow detox itself? So, you know, it's more of on a biochemical, using biochemistry tools, molecular tools, using microscopic tools as far as being able to answer that question. So I see it, I see almost applied research on the macro level, being able to take a tool and apply it. And then the fundamental or basic research is really getting down to the nitty gritty micro or molecular level. But please, Wayne, pick up where I left off as far as giving more details of that. But no, I appreciate I, Don's question because that's it's an important question. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you did fine. And I think much like our research program, you covered most of it, and then I we can synergize the answer. How's that? I think you have the exactly right with the applied and the basic. I think sometimes people use basic science and fundamental science as sort of synonyms. So I think you can consider those two in the same group, and they're exactly that. They're the why. So you have basic slash fundamental research is the why, the nitty gritty, and that oftentimes can or should drive the applied, but the applied can also drive the basic, right? Just like what you said. And to sort of take it a step further, I think the only other term that we've used in the past is the translational. So once you take the fundamental research and move it to the applied, you can translate that to something. For example, your fungicide resistance work, our work. So maybe if we understand how the fungus is doing what it's doing with a pump, Maybe we can inhibit that pump with a product that exists or develop a new product so that then we can regain control of those isolates that are no longer sensitive to the fungicide. We can make them sensitive again. So that's an, that's an example of translational science. And, and I think that that covers the entire definition of what we do together and what we can accomplish individually and then synergistically to serve the research mission of, of the growers. And that pretty much covers it, I think. Awesome. Thank you guys for that definition. Cause I know, I know we threw around basic and fundamental. I know what you guys are talking about, but I know that basic can very easily be translated as easy, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's like it, it, you, you can make those synonyms connect. And if you don't understand that they have a very specific definition with what we're talking about, I feel like folks could get lost in the weeds there. Yeah, that, that was a great, great question to ask. And I also say is that as scientists, we can have a foot in all the different worlds. You don't have to be exclusive in one world. And, um, you know, all of my training, my as far as my graduate training, really could have been considered, you know, I was in basic research. And so I personally like it. I like being able to have that flexibility, um, but we, we, we're getting off on a tangent here. But yeah, so Don, if you feel that that was a good definition, good explanation, I, I'm happy we were able to answer it. All right. Well, thank you, Wayne, for being here. I know you got a roll pretty soon, um, but I I think this is a really great intro to your to your lab and to the folks that we have coming on in the next next couple episodes. Um, is there anything else you want to add before you got to jump off here? No, I, I just appreciate the opportunity. I, I thought this was fun. And I think it, I, I hope this is informative 
uh, and and people find utility in, in what we talked about to understand more about what I do, but also what the USDA does and how the USDA and the land grant institution, especially with Carrie and I work together to achieve some of those goals. And I think we've done a, a good job illuminating that. So I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for being here. And, and you'll be here with your postdocs and we can we can pick your brain some more then too. Sounds good to me. All right. Say goodbye, everybody. See you later. Thanks. See you later. Take care.